It's Cinco de Mayo. Is it? Yeah, it's May 5th. Okay. That's exciting. Oh, not really because we don't. I have tequila, but I don't want to drink. I do want to drink, but not. It's it's like one of those things where it's like I had a very bad week at work, so I just want to drink my sorrows away. But that's how you create that bad habit. Mm -hmm. If you drink when you have bad times, then that just concrete bad time must drink. Like that's a that's a bad habit to start. So I try not to do that. Plus, you also still have a Friday to go. Yeah. And everybody knows Fridays are the worst. Fridays are always fucking terrible. So I'm I'm not too excited about that. But over the I don't know since the weekend I read like three books. Uh, no, like start to finish or you? Yeah, start to finish, but they're not uh like real big books. I read the Epic of Gilgamesh. Uh, that wasn't very epic. We already talked about that. That's, well, we a, that's only like fifty six pages though, so that's not very epic. Well, we talked about it at the book club, didn't we? Or I just mentioned it. Yeah, it, it's not worth talking about. Wasn't very good in my opinion. I don't, I don't think you read it by then. I mean, you might have started or something. It's just about the story of uh, Gilgamesh and his bro Enkidu, and they go on adventures. And it wasn't very fun because it's very repetitive. And I got one of the best translations you can get. So, mm-hmm. whatever, man. It's very old. Uh, then I read Star by Yukio Mishima, which is a novella. It's like 140 pages or something. It's just about an actor who uh, is really famous in Japan and got groupies and stuff. And it was it was okay. I liked it. And then I read, this was a good one, went to the old Barnes and Noble, right? Okay, okay. And I did the real uh, consumerism, asshole, let's support Jeff Bezos move. <gasps> I went to Barnes and Noble and I saw they had a J.R.R. Tolkien picture collection. It was the pictures of Tolkien like that he drew personally. Mm-hmm. I was like, ooh, that's interesting. It's 36 bucks. I was like, oh yeah, fuck that. I looked it up on Amazon. It's half off. It's like 16, 17 bucks. I'm like, I'm gonna order it. I ordered it while looking at it. <laughs> Inside the <bonds> of <laughs> While it was in my hands, I ordered it. And then I, uh, so I read that and that was really good. Like that, just the pictures and stuff. It was really cool to see his original drawings. So you should have just paid extra for the super shipping and it would have been at your house by the time you got home from Barnes and Noble. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I, I did some half ass writing all week. So how about you? Last week I had a huge haul of just of just regular comics. Mm. Like the past couple of weeks, I was lucky if I was getting anywhere between like six to eight at the most. But last week I had like fifteen. So like the the free time reading wise went to that. I did start um the uh, first in that uh trilogy that I got the um oh I always forget the name of the it's like the comet some the comic cycle something but it's at the ninth metal. Uh, by Benjamin Percy. Oh yeah, it's where like um we had the, the meteor shower. Um, a whole bunch of places get hit with like these meteors, and um, they have like this crazy metal on it, and you can use it into metal, and it's like revolutionizing like energy and stuff, and uh, it's kind of like the CD kind of. At least this first one is. I'm I'm only like a hundred pages into it, but it, it's pretty good. Huh. Well, that's good. It was nice um to uh. Because, like, a lot of the sci-fi I've been reading outside of, like, my comics have been, um, like, older. You know, like, I just yeah. got doing a whole bunch of H.G. Wells and stuff like that. So, to read, like, a newer um, science fiction book, like, you know, like, harder kind of sci-fi uh, was kind of interesting. And, like I said, I'm enjoying it pretty well. During the weekend, the past couple weekends, I've been able to get a decent amount of writing done. Uh, but my weeks have just have been shot to shit. Mm-hmm. Like, I know that feeling. So we're both losers who read a lot. Uh huh. That's there's worse things we could be. 
We should just make a hard pivot to like drunken reading. Drunken reading. Yeah. That's all we talk Podcast about. Podcasts and drunken websites. And... That would be interesting. It's probably already a TikTok or something. I kind of like. But don't worry, Spencer. We have a very cheerful, upbeat topic for you today. So you'll feel a lot better after this brief intro music. You are listening to the that's that's not good. It makes a metal noise. Uh, yeah. That's not what I wanted at all. I need some. I need a drummer. Thing. Oh my god, I'm fucking stupid. A drummer thing. Oh, <laughs> 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 you're listening to the Drunken Pen Writing Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Caleb James. I don't even know if I can say a name for you now. I feel like I'm just mush mouth today. I should have got a drink. My mouth's very dry. Uh, with me today, Spencer, the Babylonian Brazier Buster Church. Mm. Oh, that's a pretty good one. You uh busting braziers, huh? You old yeah. sly fox, you you Babylonia. You old uh creep. Like I said in the intro, I want to do a more upbeat episode that will will make both of us happy. Mm. So we are going to be talking about death. Yay, my favorite. <laughs> 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 yeah, I guess the people who read the title of this episode already know something. About the death, but I haven't come up with the name yet as we speak. I wrote very brief notes today. There is a point to this. This isn't just death, as in the uh, the end of things that makes us sad. No, I want to talk about death and writing and the importance of how you go about it. I find the way that we get into these is by asking thoughtful questions. So the very first question when it comes to your story, Spencer, why are you killing off a character to begin with? To piss people off. Ooh, yeah. To just one. make them feel something. Ooh. You just play you, with their emotions. You didn't like the character. The character was shitty and you didn't like writing them. Or you, it, 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 uh, it ties up a plot hole or a loose end. Ooh. Makes, that, just makes the story easier to tell. Ah, uh, that's a good one, too. Well, <laughs> that actually segues into my next question. Is it a plot device or does it hold more significance to the story? It depends w- on the story. I will use a personal example. <laughs> example. Oh, I want to jump off a bridge. I like it when I'm not the fucking idiot sounding one in the episode. I will be the idiot sounding one all episode. If I'm, I'm not joking. My body is a negative three. My <laughs> mind is not even functioning at this point. I am borderline dead myself. This <laughs> has been a rough week. Uh, anyway, what was I talking about? Oh, death. Death and taxes. In my novel that I'm working on, I have a character who's actually mostly unseen. There's only a brief flashback of this character. Uh, But the whole story deals with death quite a bit in very important parts. But this very first death that's going to come about is not just a plot device. It is very significant to the story itself because not only uh, if this death doesn't occur, the story doesn't happen. Whereas if it's a plot device, it kind of means, oh, you know, we killed that person but that was just so we can segue to the next part. Well, it's kind of like that, but like I said, without this uh, this death, there is no story. So that's an example of using it to really anchor your story you're trying to tell and use death in a more meaningful way 
versus just using it to kind of move the story forward or like you said make people feel certain ways or going just to the plot devices you know sometimes you're just like ah, this story needs something i need something to spice it up you know what i'll kill a character uh that would be almost like getting cheap heat as a wrestler mm. it's like yeah you you're pissing off the audience but you're just doing it because you're saying dallas sucks and you're in dallas like it's not yeah. that big of a deal uh so if you kill off even a likable character you can do it in two ways you could do it as just a you know plot device where it's like hey i'm killing off this fa fan favorite character to kind of piss off the audience and bring out some emotions that way or you could kill that character and actually has a meaning there's a purpose for their death and that brings out change in the other characters brings out change in the story i'm sure you've seen many movies and read many books where a character dies and it really doesn't actually impact anything other than it's supposed to make you feel bad uh, and i don't like those deaths i think those deaths are cheap and stupid for instance in the force awakens big spoiler here uh han solo's son who has turned to the dark side shoots him and kills him that's a death that's kind of purposeful because I, I can't remember how that story, that fucking movie ends. But, you know, that's an emotional development for the character. And it's almost like Han Solo had to give him permission to kill him. Well, and also, too, that was also a um, very much also a gimmick because like Han Solo did not want to do any more Star Wars Yo, movies. So this is how you get him out of doing, you know, this is how you get, you know, Solo out of them. But, yes, they were able to do it in a way. Yeah, to make it more meaningful, but they could easily, you know, do what they do in some characters and kind of kill them off screen. And then it's really not that uh, meaningful or what they love to do in horror movies is they'll just kill one of the characters. It's a horror movie. You got to kill the characters, but they'll do it in a way. It's just like, oh, you know, I like that character. And they just chopped his head off. And then the story just goes on Scooby-Doo style or the rest of the remaining possibly future victims just go about the story and it doesn't really have an impact. I personally think most deaths should have some kind of significance because somebody dies in your real life, it's usually going to have an impact on yeah. you. It's very rare that somebody that you're close to dies and you're just like, yeah, well, that's that's life. Maybe if they're really old or something. See, I think the good way to use it is like like with your scenario with the serial killer, it's like like how you said like that could be very non-significant if they just keep on going. But I think a way you could maybe make that work, though, is like... Uh, because they don't have time mm. to mourn. They, they, they're trying to survive themselves. Well, a lot of horror movies and uh, novels even tend to do that. Like They're just like, oh, they're still in the situation. you got to yeah. get out of the situation first. But uh, Nightmare on Elm Street's a good example because that's an extended story. So one of the characters gets murdered, and then it stretches out, and then you kind of see how the other... Like when the kids are in school and stuff, how they feel. Oh, my God, did you hear? It's like she died and, oh, her, we think her boyfriend killed her. And then it kind of brings some mystery and suspense to the story, even though the audience knows who the killer is. They, the characters don't. And I like whenever, I think like a good uh, book to bring up what we're talking about this is the uh, uh, Life for Sale. Yeah. Because that involves, and they do it in a way to where like it's 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 funny. Yeah. It's awkward, you know. Um, like as we were talking about this, I was thinking of like an, like trying to come up example of like different ways you can like uh mess around with like the death motif or like whatever. And like I like one of them would be like um there's a person who has a hit out on them, so they're constantly just dodging bullets, and maybe like yeah. people around them are killing them, or they got people to kill the the assassins that are going. Like you know what I mean? Right. So therefore, you got like you're messing around with death that way. And it might not be as meaningful, but it's almost kind of like the uh, cannon fodder, kind of. Yeah. You know? uh, moving on. Uh, this goes more into uh, kind of what the readers would feel here. So 
Do the readers care if you kill off the character? That's an important question because, you know, and here I'll go on the rest of it. If not, that is probably a poorly written character. That's what I was going to say. Even if the character is a villain, the reader should regard their death with some emotion. Because if it's a villain or a very unlikable character... They should at least be happy. They'll be like, fuck yeah, he finally got his comeuppance. But if they just don't care, you did a bad job writing that character. If you have a protagonist uh, who dies or his love interest dies or his mother dies or whoever dies and the audience just like, all right, keep going. Like, I don't care about that. That's not a very good character. Uh, there are some examples where that's not necessarily a bad thing. If it's just like some side character and you just kind of got to get rid of them. That's not always a bad thing. But if it's like a main character or they're important to the story and the audience doesn't care that they got killed, you're not doing a good job. I'm trying to think like I've read plenty of books where they killed off characters. I'm like, yeah, fuck it, whatever. Good. And then it's just like, this guy I have to remember. But usually those are not. Uh, well, either they are a song like. They're an ensemble cast that's way too big. Uh, you see that in a lot of sci-fi and fantasy novels where it's like, oh, they have way too many characters. They have to kill them off. If you have a We're small... We're basically talking about like Game of Thrones, basically. Yeah, you have so many characters, then that's another thing I guess we could bring up. If you have too many characters and you start killing them off, it almost just makes it easier to read for the audience. So they're just not... It's not that they might... Like, you know, They're not necessarily uninvested in the characters. It's just like, come on. There's too many. Can't follow all these fucking weird names. Just get rid of some of them. Lord of the Rings is a good example because most of those characters do not die. Uh, and the ones that do, their deaths are very meaningful. And I think every death in that, in those, uh, even the Hobbit too, like all the deaths that do take place are very impactful and, and it's a huge story device, like plot device. And it just really matters. And the, the audience feels like, oh my God, I can't believe this character died. But like you said, Game of Thrones, maybe some of the characters died. Like, Whatever. I think it had to be, especially like reading it. Because you know, when you're watching the show, whatever, you have like that actor or the person, you know, you're watching it. So, like, I'm sure there had to be times when people died in that book and people were like, who? Yeah. Who is this again? Like, we did now, boy. Thaddeus? Who's Th- Thaddeus? Thaddeus. House of Anal Cavities. Mm. Oh, who is that guy? Mm. House of Slang and Wang. <laughs> Yeah, that's just kind of, that goes along with, like, the cheap deaths versus the powerful deaths. And the cheap deaths, one, are just, like, you know, guy gets stabbed and just dies very undramatically. And you're just like, okay. But the worst ones, which even movies, anything, the off-screen death. Most of those are garbage. I don't know if I've ever had a situation where I come across an off-screen death that I just was like, oh, come on. Like, you want to see the death or you want to be involved in the death. It's just, I don't know, it's one of those things where it's like, you can probably get away with killing a character off screen. Like, a lot of sci-fi books and stuff will do that. Oh, the airlock blew, and this character and this character died, but we we didn't see it. Like, it's just fucking exposition. For the most, again, the audience would really not have to care about those characters to not get irritated by that. But, again, it's it's all in how you do it, because, like, okay, say you're sci-fi, and there's, like, bad, you know, battleships or whatever. You got a whole bunch of them going on. And, like, yeah, you could go and be, like, have a ship that has certain people on it blow up. You can't show every character yeah, death. Yeah. Again, so, it goes with how many characters do you have. And, like, a big battle scene, you can even, you know, the individual fight within the big battle. But a whole ship blows up and there's multiple ships. It's kind of hard to do that. And then also, too, like, whenever the, the off-screen one, I'm always just like, is this misdirection? Yeah, like you know, they're I mean? not really dead. Yeah, you know, it's like it's it's kind of like the one of the long running jokes in comics is like, 
oh, whenever somebody dies, it's like, did you see a body? No, he's not dead. Well, I did see a body. Still not dead. <laughs> <laughs> did he? Did his eye open in the last frame? Yeah. Well, when you kill character, Spencer, uh, how do you go about it? Do you do it with intent and purposefulness, or do you just feel like that character needs to die? Uh, it more, uh, at least now, is because, uh, you know, up until recently, it's been a lot of shorter fiction, so it's just kind of like, if it's what the story needs, if the story is like, if that's what it tells me, like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like you, this Cone story that um I'm working on has a decent amount of death in it, but it's more of, like, I almost like I was kind of saying earlier, like, kind of can, uh, cannon fodder people, like, yeah. it's a lot of, um, people you don't, like, really know, like, they're, like, in a big group setting where there's a lot of people, so, like, there's groups of people getting killed, but, like, you don't know, you know, it's, like, you don't know those people, so it's not necessarily... Well, it's, like, real life. You see death on the news every day, but usually it doesn't have any effect on you at all because you don't know those people. They're in faraway lands. You never heard of them. can't pronounce them. It's not that bad until it's happening around you. Think about this. Like, say you were in a major city and there was a bombing, and while you were there... You aren't directly involved, and then you're like, well, fuck it, and you just leave. You get out of there. You're unharmed. Uh, you didn't see the destruction. But when you go home, you're like, damn, you find out like the death count on the news. It'll be very conflicting how you feel because on one hand, shit, I was just there. Could have been me. Right. On the other hand, you don't know any of those people. You didn't see the damage. You didn't see any of it. So you're very detached from the things. Like We all dealt with that with 9-11. We were very detached from the scenario, and you felt awful about what happened. But at the same time, it's completely different if you're there, mm-hmm. uh, or if you witness it in person. So, or if you had like, if you had, if you knew or had any relatives like living in the area at yeah. the time, or if you had nobody that lived around there, like you know, if you're just kind of like in the middle of the country somewhere, and you don't know anybody from New York, you never been there, you're like, oh man, this is terrible. But, like, it's completely different yeah. if there were people there that you knew about. Your cousin or you, was in yeah, the towers. Or, some, or, or something. just even just, like, they're in New York where this is happening. Yeah. Who knows what else the fuck is going on, you know? Well, when you, like, as a writer, your job is to have those, be able to implement those feelings into your work. So the audience feels like they're a part of this. So when they see a death, it feels meaningful to them as if it was happening to them or they were involved in it. And, on the, you know, conversely, you could also do that with, like you were just saying, with you're across the country, you don't actually see the deaths. Like, you could have a sci-fi story where a ship blows up and the people on the other ship, like, well, we didn't know those people. Thank God it wasn't us. Yeah. Uh, and then the audience kind of gets relief, too. It's like, oh, man, good thing the characters I liked didn't die. Yeah. And you don't give a fuck about the other characters because they don't know who they were. There's just there's a lot of things you could play with like that, but the main thing I've been focusing on is just making death impactful and very important to the story versus where a lot of stuff I've written, like when I do the sword and sorcery stuff, you're a lot of head cleaving and you don't give a fuck about the people you're killing. You know, like most of the care until like one of the main characters dies, the readers just they want to see cleave people mm-hmm. in the head. But that it depends on the story you're telling too. If it's a horror story and the killers you know the killer gotta kill people Mm -hmm. they gotta kill important people or else why the fuck are you reading this you want to see that but if it's you know a a romance novel or something a romantic drama use you know when the character gets killed you're like oh shit like i didn't want that to happen 
Like you have to just be able to know what your genre is and how you can play with those in a way. You, what you are is you're a fucking manipulator, man. Mm-hmm. You got to manipulate like Amber Turd. You got to mm-hmm. manipulate how people feel about certain things, you know? Yeah. One of those ones, Amber Turd, makes me happy. <laughs> I don't like that fucking lady. That's a, I'll be as polite as I can. That damn lady. Mm-hmm. She's not a lady. Ladies don't poop in people's beds. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing this, uh, uh, you know, talking about death, um, if we need to fill up a little bit of time, I have, like, a another, like, kind of side topic that kind of slides in with death. It's, like, kind of adjacent to death. Shoot. Sadness. Sadness. But because, like, okay, so I was at my friend's house a couple weeks ago for her her uh, daughters. They, uh, her, their birthdays were, it was their birthday, so I was going on and visiting them. And whenever I was getting ready to leave, they were talking about going to, they had like an episode of This Is Us to watch. Okay. And I'm like, why do you watch that show? Because I always hear it's like good and stuff, but anything I can see from the trailers, or if I would happen to switch by and it's on and I would like try to watch a couple minutes, it's, the show's just made to make you cry. Just nothing but tears. Yeah, it, like that's it's so perp, and like, it's written so good and, and, and stuff, and I was like, no, it's just, it, it's made to make you cry, like, that's not good writing like i could just come up with a whole bunch of sad shit like i could just and then a dog dies would you like would you like to read my journal i mean if you you want if you want tears like (laughs) what was that thing george costanza when he was trying to get that apartment it wasn't like the misadventures of a slow-witted bald man but it was something like that and it was just he's just told the stories from his life that just depressed the shit out of everybody so he can win like be like a like a vietnam like vet who was like in like a prison camp or something (laughs) well do you want to know why people watch those shows spencer because they don't have any feelings in their real life they need that emotion because they're not getting it from their day-to-day life because i mean if if you're feeling sad every day because of stuff that's happening to you your life probably sucks so it's a good thing that you don't feel sad uh you need things to make you feel sad but I'm not one of those people. I don't want things to make me cry just, all the time. Well, but that also just like, because then that put in the idea, like I was saying, like, you know, because they were saying, oh, it's written so good. But if it's just like, if you're just putting things together that you know that are going to make people like, ha- yeah. and then, like we were saying, like, you know, you want to make your, your readers or your audience have an, um, you know, feel emotions. Oh, no, I feel like it's you're doing it for a purpose. Or you're doing it just because you know, like... Manipulation. Yeah, like you're saying, like, I could have this character kill this dog, but if I have this character kill this dog, or if, like, the dog dies, is there any real purpose for the dog dying? Is it moving the story at all? Or am I just killing a dog because I just want the people reading and go, Oh, the dog died. (laughs) Like how you turned to an old lady. (laughs) If you kill the dog... And I'm sure some of our listeners already know where I'm going with this, but if you kill the dog just to make people feel sad or bad or whatever, uh, and like you said, the, nothing happens with the story. Like it does, none of the characters go into forever mourning because of this. They just move on with their life. It was it was a very important. If you kill the dog and it was John Wick's dog, <sighs> and then you have three fucking movies that are badass <laughs> because he got to get revenge, then yeah, that was kind of an important kill. It was sad, but God damn it, you're kind of glad it happened. Because yeah. if it wasn't for that dog dying, John Wick might have just like smacked around some people, but he probably wouldn't have went so crazy. But I, I don't know, because I know some people, like they only read sad books and only watch sad shows and mm. movies. And I'm like, 
I just, I don't know. Like, man. I don't need more of that in my life. No, like, you I'll know? be happy. And that's another thing. Like, sadness, you can use it very, like, if you just get people invested in the characters, you can just throw infinite torment towards those characters to make the reader sad. But at some point, it would probably just get too much and people would be turned off by it. Kind of like you were saying earlier. It's like, it's the cheap heat. Like, you're just, yeah. you're just pouring on the sadness just because it's easy. Maybe, and then it's also just, it could just be, um, you're going to get yelled at, but it might just be like a woman's thing. Like, Oh, no. No, Spencer. There's guys that like that stuff, probably. Um, I don't know. Maybe the new kids do. When we oh, were true, true. That's a, that's when a... we were growing up in every generation before us, it was, uh, you're not supposed to cry if you're a man. But now they're maybe changing that. I don't know. I feel like, what do they call that? Toxic masculinity. It's like, you get your arm chopped off. You're not allowed to cry. Nope. To cry, you're a bitch. So I just bottle up my emotions, and it turns into rage. Yeah. Nice, healthy Aggressive. aggressiveness. <laughs> I need that nice, healthy aggression. I need to be able to punch through a wall at any given moment. Yeah, you never, you never know when you might, when you have to, like, flip over a car that you can just take up, like, 10 years of uh, work anger to... Uh, I need to be able to go to Starbucks and they give me the wrong order. And instead of just bringing it up because I'm an introvert, I just bottle that up, go outside, throw my coffee in the garbage can, and then just fucking throw the garbage can at a homeless person (laughs) and just go on a killing spree. That's what I need to do because that's healthy. Not just going, excuse me, ma'am, I'm allergic to milk and you put milk in here. Like that's, you know, because that would be the normal non-crazy person way to handle that. So a lot of people, they handle that by throwing the drink in the barista's face. I'm not that person because I don't want to be. That's the weird thing is when you don't want to be an asshole. So you'd rather just hurt yourself, mm-hmm. uh, cause your own harm. Uh, that is nothing. You, you should just drink the milk and die. My throat's swelling up, but fuck it. I told you no milk. See, but my luck, they just put just enough milk to make me break out in a rash and go itchy. <laughs> Because that's happened before, and I'm just like, oh, great, my throat and lips swelled up, and I'm itchy, but I'm not dead. Wonderful. You ever wonder what you're doing on this planet, what your purpose in life is, or are you just fucking on a giant, fiery, stupid, bullshit rock flying through space? Flying through space. Yeah. Well, it's not necessarily fiery yet, but I have it's, a feeling it's, it's going to get there. Yeah. It's getting hot. It's getting hot up there. If you think about, like, you would have, if you have a perfect purpose... Everybody has a purpose, Mm. and I don't think everybody can have a purpose. Just like not everyone deserves a job. (laughs) That's just the fact. People don't like to hear that, but there's legitimate stupid people that should not have a job. They should not have any function in society. They should be very fucked up, not be alive. (laughs) Because think of like most population of low IQ prisoners. Like before, they just... before we go any further, we're not not talking about anybody with any mental no or any disabilities. About... We're talking about full fledged people that are just dumb. I'm just talking about those fucking people that usually end up in prison and keep going back to prison, not because of their environment or their upbringing, just because whatever predisposes them to be stupid and violent. It just carried over into their adulthood. and Because uh, I've known okay. kids who, from a very young age, and seemingly come from loving families, are just assholes. Yeah. And then they just grow up to be assholes, and they're unproductive assholes, and they're not talented in anything. Because uh, that's another thing. People like to say, oh, everyone has a talent. Everyone's good at something. I've known people who are not good at anything. <laughs> and it's not for a lack of trying. They just do not have the ability 
to be good, not athletic, not very smart, can't draw, can't write, can't fucking doesn't have an artistic ability. Uh, and that would suck to be that person. Uh, then you want to say, well, what's? Well, I mean, I guess I get okay, okay, because like, say if you are more um, office or businessman, okay. like you wouldn't like how many of those people do you think have um, artistic like aspirations or? Yeah, I'm sure yeah. there's few that'd be like, I'm doing this for the money, but I would really like to write novels or whatever. But there's I'm, some people that's all that, they could do. That, that that's what they want to do. That's what they can do. That's what they that's what they're good at. That's their talent. Like you know what I mean. But then you have to think like, well, is it a useful purpose? Is that's another debate, you know? Is it useful for them or is it useful for the greater society? Whole? And, like, because yeah, those greater. are those are. I don't know. We're really going into the weeds with this. Sometimes I like the end of our podcast chat. You, you just want to go into it and talk about how we hate everything in this society, and yeah, that's just abysmal. But think about. I don't know. It brings me back because I just edited one of the IRCs where we covered the Mister Squishy story and the, the uh, Oblivion stories, and that was just all about analytics and just information overload and. It, it's people's jobs to just fucking deal with useless numbers that have nothing to do with anything and are not important and won't be used, but that's their job is they just create these fucking stupid focus groups and just have people test things and then fudge numbers to make it look like they liked it, and it's unimportant to anything. And uh, you see that a lot in advertising. Do you think, like, ad execs are really uh, do purposeful we, people? Especially now. Yeah. With, with like, the internet and social media and stuff, you don't need advertisement people. Like, you know what I mean? It's just, advertisements just piss you off. Yeah. I don't know. I don't want to shit on anybody's career. We probably got a bunch of advertisers that listen to us, huh? Yeah. No, no I, I'm just I'm just saying now, like, that like that has to be one of those jobs that are slowly... You have to be really creative to make yeah. a good advertisement in this day and age. There's probably, like, where before, where like, there was multiple, like, probably smaller, like, there's yeah. probably now only, like, a couple huge ones once you get the hold of, like putting ads on Facebook or whatever, like, you know what I mean? That's, like, all you got left to do, really. I think what we're saying is there are too many people and too little uses for everybody. Because even if, say, everyone was talented, everyone was a great writer, everyone was athletic, everyone was artistic, well, then we'd be in the exact same boat as, like, not everybody can succeed. Yeah. Because there's a, it's a limited supply here of people who are readers and people who watch movies. And if you have everybody making the art and nobody to buy the art, yeah, it's if everyone's beautiful, then it's the ugly person who stands out, you know. So um, that's what we talk about with the sports. Like, what's the point of having these any championship game like the yeah like the NBA finals? Like having like you know like these ten or fifteen people or thirty with both teams out on the court playing if you don't have a crowd full of people and millions of people at home watching. Yeah, if everyone in the audience can do what the guys on the court Nobody can wants do, to watch it. They, nobody would watch it because it's not amazing. So, and that goes with everything. Like We talk about like how shitty low-tier jobs are and stuff, but they're still you know cashiers and things oh, like they're that. Nece- that they're, they're necessary, yeah. Well, we've seen during the pandemic how necessary they were essential. Mm-hmm. So... You can't really say somebody just becomes a cashier or they're a failure, you know, because that's still a needed job. But if you live in a world where everyone decides they're going to be a cashier, then it's kind of like not everybody could do that because now there's just not enough cashier jobs. So it almost becomes pointless. Uh, that's with anything. Like if there's just too much, it becomes useless. Like you can't, you know, an overabundance of anything is too much. So. Well, that's always like the one of the big arguments like with like the Internet boom and stuff like that. And coming to, like, entertainment and art and stuff, it's like, 
it made it easier for you to be found, mm. but it also made it easier for everybody else to do it. Well, you've seen that with the writing indie writing community so much now is there's so many writers, even non-indie writers, like people who are published writers, there's so many that most of the books actually don't get read mm. because there's, just, there's not going to be that many readers. And now all of a sudden you have this huge pool, and unless you are really talented and really stand out, you're not going to become like the next Stephen King because you. How do you break away from so Which, many people? It's almost like that of like you kind of almost have to have like a personality. Yeah, kind of like we we've talked about. Yeah, to have something different. Like we've kind of talked about before, like with um uh at, from conventions with that uh, Derek Manning. He has like a persona. He yeah, he a gimmick. He, yeah, like a gimmick that he works and stuff like that. And I think that helps bring people to like his table. And then if you get them to your table and to check out your work that you that you are confident and you know how good it is and stuff like that and you know that's how you build your fan base. Yep. And that's where I'm gonna suck ass in the writing business is I just don't like to do that stuff. But I'll have to do that when my novels finish. I'll have to really build them. I'm thinking about just doing like another I don't fuck Twitter. I'm gonna find something else. <laughs> we don't need to have the big marketing discussion today. Mm-hmm. We'll do that another episode. Maybe when we've done some research. Yeah. Um, but anyway, death. It's something everyone has done before us and everyone will do. And if people didn't die, then we had too many fucking people. We're in the same, you know. We're again. already there. Already there. Uh, so fuck that. Unless you have anything else to touch on. Death is like ass souls. Everybody got one, mostly. Very eloquently put. Yeah. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> uh, it's just a stinky. Stinky. It's so stinky. Yeah. So, if you're feeling down in life, you just have to find your purpose, even though I said very harshly that not everyone is going to have a purpose or be able to find their purpose. That doesn't mean you can't try. And I mean, and like, okay, say, like, you know, we were talking about, like, the, you know, we always bring up, like, the cashier or whatever, and just because you are doing that job doesn't mean you are lesser than yeah. or or you're not your purpose. And, like, and I mean, I feel like sometimes, because I know even, like, there for, like, the longest time, like, like, I know, like, all through, like, high school and, like, and stuff like that, like, I had no idea what I wanted to do. Like, I mean, I really, even until, like, like, even this, it wasn't even, like, oh, I wanted to be a writer. You know, we talked about how before you kind of just kind of roped me into yeah. doing it and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So, sometimes you just, like, I don't know, like, sometimes you, people just don't have, like, some people just take work. Like, you know what I mean? Some people, so that's just, what they like to do. They, 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 they go to work. They do, they put their time in, they come home to their family mm. or who are their pets or whatever. Well, when I talk about people finding their purpose, I'm thinking more grand ideas. Like, you know, not everybody could be a great writer. Not everybody could be a cinematographer. Like, we that's the things we really think about. But when it comes to just your day-to-day purpose, even if you work at, say, a shoe store and it's not a glamorous job, you don't get paid a lot of money, but if you go in there and you respect yourself, and you have pride in your work, then that's respectable. And you can make people's days better doing that. Like, it's all about your attitude. People come in, it's how you treat them, and that's how you can be memorable. You could change somebody's life in any scenario, you know? Somebody could be having an awful day or having suicidal thoughts, and they just happen to go to the shoe store, and then they meet you, and you just brighten up their day just enough to keep them from going over the edge. Like, you wouldn't even know it, but you change somebody's life, maybe. So everybody could have... Not just have a purpose, but everyone can provide a good service to society. 
Uh, that I can say for you know 99% of the people on this earth can provide some kind of service uh, to themselves and others. It's just your attitude, how you go about life. It's just the fact of the matter is there's so many people who don't want to. Mm. That's where I talk about you know people not having a purpose and being shitty and useless. It's because they their attitude they just don't want to and they're never mm. going to. Uh, we all know people like that that have given up before they even tried. That's the thing that always kills me is like people who just give up on life before they even tried. Everything's shit, even though they haven't tried to make it not shit. Maybe they just got a bad, you know, uh, got dealt a bad hand. But unless it's like mental illness related, uh, some people are just, you know, what was it like? You know, I was born unlucky. Hmm. Well, if you think like you were born unlucky, you're always going to be unlucky because like that's your mindset. You got to think fuck luck i'm just gonna do it myself and make something of myself which is how i always thought of my life is like i'm you know i might not be the smartest guy i might not be the best looking guy uh i haven't come from a great background but i can work and do what i can do uh to, to better myself and i think i'm doing all right now so you know it's just a matter of perspective like do what you can do uh and just make the right steps you know the right steps every day to improve yourself there i think we ended on a more positive note then death and everything sucks. Not death and buttholes? Death and buttholes was good. We can end on death and buttholes. If you have a butthole, it could be very dark and abyss-like. And that's kind of what death might be. We don't know. But if you die, you might just go into a black abyss. Same thing. When you die, you go into a butthole. That's what I'm saying. That is a fact. I'm starting a religion based on that. You know what? Can oh, we do like an L. Ron Hubbard and create books that people really feel are real life and then make a religion out of it? I yes, I would love to do that. Yes. Speaking of L. Ron Hubbard, space music out. <laughs> yeah.